Okay, guys, so we're in Lesson 19 today. We're going to look at Micah, and this is basically an introduction. We'll get into uh, what Micah is talking about over the next three weeks after this. Now, before we talk about Micah, we've looked at a lot of the prophets so far, Jonah, Obadiah, Amos, some of the others that we've looked at. Who have they primarily been speaking to? Which which kingdom? We have the northern kingdom, we have the southern kingdom. Who have most of the prophets been a prophet to? Anybody know? Off to your top of your head? Okay, I'm hearing mumbles. The northern kingdom. Okay, Samaria it's called, or the northern ten tribes, or the northern kingdom, or Israel. Sometimes it's called Israel. So, Primarily, all of the other prophets that we've looked at, most of them have been prophets to the north. And that included uh, one prophet who was from Judah who went up to the northern kingdom. Remember, that was Amos. And uh, he was basically told to go back home, right? But his ministry was to the northern kingdom to basically tell them that doom was coming, okay? So now we're going to get into Micah. And Micah is kind of a shift for us because his ministry, while he's going to talk about the northern kingdom, he's going to talk about the southern kingdom, okay? The southern kingdom of Judah and its problems and what's awaiting the southern kingdom. So we're going to talk about Micah today. So again, I want to remind you, so this is during the period of the Assyrians, So this was the Assyrian Empire. This was the Assyrian Empire. If you look there, that's modern-day Middle East. But if you look at it from the ancient standpoint, that is where the Assyrian Empire was. So you can see where it goes all the way down to Egypt, all the way into what is modern-day Turkey, into Iran, Persia, all the way down into Iraq. And uh, so that was the Assyrian Empire, very brutal empire. So let's talk about it. So Micah prophesied during the late 8th century B.C., which is pre-exilic. So he's prophesying during the period before the exile, Babylonian exile. So he's considered a pre-exilic prophet, okay? So this is when he's prophesying. That's along with all the other prophets that we looked at. They were all in the 8th century. Micah was a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah. So when Micah's ministry was going on, there was another prophet whom we know even more because he has a big book in our Old Testament, and that's Isaiah. Now, the difference between the two is this. Isaiah's ministry was primarily in the city of Jerusalem. So he's kind of, you could say he was a city guy, okay? When we look at Micah, we're going to see that his background is completely different, but they are ministering around the same time during the reigns of the same kings. So he, Micah, prophesied in the days of Jotham, which would have been 750 to 731 B.C. Ahaz, 735 to 715 B.C., Hezekiah, 715 to 686 B.C., K. 
kings of Judah. So he's, his ministry is primarily during these three kings. Micah began to prophesy before the destruction of Samaria, and he continued until the reign of Hezekiah, okay? So he prophesied before the northern ten tribes were destroyed and carried away into exile by the Assyrians. Up until the time of Hezekiah's reign, he would have died sometime during Hezekiah's reign. Now, Isaiah didn't die in Hezekiah's reign. He died during the, re the reign of uh, Hezekiah's son, whom I didn't have enough coffee this morning. It slips my mind. Anybody know who Hezekiah's son was? He was an evil king of Judah. Anybody know? All right, I'll have to look real quick here to refresh my memory. What's that? I heard some whispers. Huh? Manasseh. It was Manasseh. Thank you. Okay, Manasseh. <laughs> no, Siri had nothing to do with it. Okay. <laughs> Siri, who was the king during seven, you know? What? Okay. The Assyrian Empire was the dominant military power at the time. So this is the military power that we're going to see really talking about at the time. So let's talk about the prophet. First of all, his name, okay? The name Micah is the shortened form of Micaiah, meaning who is like Yahweh, okay? So Micah is a shortened form of Micaiah, the Hebrew name Micaiah, which means who is like the Lord, Yahweh, okay? So this is who he was. He was from Morsheth Gath, which is located 25 miles southwest of Jerusalem. All right, so if you look at a map, let's go back to our map. This is where Jerusalem is right here. He would have been 25 miles south of there, somewhere southwest of there, somewhere here, okay? A little bit more of a desert area, okay? More of a primitive area, all right? So the other thing about it is the town was located on the border with Judah and Philistia, okay? So it was a border town to the Philistines. Now, if you really want to know where that is today, if you want to go near there today, the area is still not controlled by the Jews, it's, it's a, controlled by the Palestinians, it's known as Gaza, okay? So it would be a border area to what we would know of as Gaza, okay, that area there, all right? So this is where he's from. He's from a rugged area, okay? So this is the type of guy. So remember, I told you, he's a contemporary of Isaiah. Isaiah is a city boy, okay? When we talk about Micah, is he, is he from a city area? No, he's from a rugged area, okay? He's, 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 he's a rural guy, okay? We know nothing about the prophet's background and occupation, okay? So we know nothing about him. We, we, a lot of the prophets, we don't know very much about them, Okay? Uh, this prophet in particular, we don't know anything about him at all. We just know where he's from. 
What we do know is, is that he was a prophet of the poor and downtrodden. Now, it should remind us of another prophet also, shouldn't it? What was one of the other prophets who seemed to plead the case for uh, those who were enduring hard times and so forth, the poor? Anybody remember? Somebody from the south, it wasn't Joel. Anybody have a clue? Let me look here. We've got Hosea, we have Joel, we have Amos, and Obadiah. Anybody remember? I think it was Amos. He was from the shepherds of Tekoa, which would have been to the east a little bit from where he was, but it's still a rugged area. So both men were primarily prophets who really pleaded the cause of the poor in Don, Don Trouden, okay? So that's what we're going to see here. So let me, let me ask a key question here. So here we are, we have another prophet whom God uses, and we don't really know anything about him. What, what does that tell you? What comes to your mind when you realize that? Here, here's somebody who God uses, we don't really know anything about his background, or if we do know something, like with Amos' case, he's a, a sycamore tree tender, taking care of the figs on a sycamore tree, all right? What, what does that kind of tell you about who God uses? Yeah, okay, he can use anybody. So, and he does, right? Insignificant people. Do you know what I'm saying? People who aren't necessarily even trained necessarily to be prophets. So you think about in the case of Amos, you know, he's a shepherd, a herdsman of a rugged type of sheep. And he's taking care of these little figs that grow on the sycamore trees there in, in Israel that the poor love to eat. This is not somebody you would see going and preaching in palaces, right? Yeah, so... Okay, it's not about the messenger, it's about the message, okay? What were you going to say, Gene? You look like you have a thought. Okay, he uses people that need to be spoken to, the kind of people that they would relate to. Okay, all right, good. Anybody else? What are your thoughts there? Now, when you think about what we see here in the testimony of the Scripture of the type of man God is using to be his prophets, and they're relatively unknown, okay? Relatively, I mean, pretty much unknown, Okay? How's that different from today? Are we different today in our, quote, Christian world in North America as far as who we think can be used or what kind of person can be used or, or whatever? What are, you, what are you guys thinking? Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, you know, I, actually, I was going to say low life. That, that just sounds like the bottom rung of 
getting in trouble, okay? Yeah, I, I don't think that's the point. It's maybe on the lower level of society. That's not necessarily low, low life, okay? But yeah, you're right. We have a tendency to think that God only uses uh, superior people. What are you going to say, Gene? Highly educated. Okay, all right, okay. Anybody else? All right, say that again, Ron. Okay, we look at how big, how many people are going, like a mega church, like how many, how many people are going to their church, the size of their churches and so forth, okay? All right, anybody else? So... <clears throat> That's how we are today. Well, what does that say about us, and what can we do about that? Because that's not what God's doing, right? Some of the most godly men I've met have been pastors of small churches whose names will never be known, who were faithful in what? Pastoring. And some of the most influential people I've met are, are believers who just simply serve the Lord where they're at, right? Do you know what I'm saying? And it has nothing to do with their platform. It's, I think that's the word. We use platform today, right? Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but I can't get, I can get yours, but I can't necessarily get some small pastor somewhere. Okay. Yes, I understand. Yeah. So yeah. the bigger the platform, maybe the more we think that they're more godly. Yes. But history has proved that maybe not so much. Yes. Some of the bigger guys have taken some pretty big fall. Yes, that's true. Yes. So yeah. we're all used by God, I think, and I don't think, I mean, if you're not, then you need to go back and see what's going on in your life. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. Let's say I leave Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's a good point, Bruce. But I think the issue is it's not so much, I think what you're saying is true, and whether it's a David Jeremiah or a pastor in a rural county somewhere, they're being faithful. Okay? All right. The issue isn't with those men, the issue is with us who have a perception that God can only use men who have platforms. And that is prevalent today. Did you understand what I'm saying? He is still using us, but and that, I guess what I'm trying to get us to, I guess what my line of thinking here is to get us to understand that God can use you. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and we're just saying it a different way. Right. Okay, so the point is that God uses all of us where we're at. Because to be honest with you, Micah, he wasn't accepted. Okay, and it is part of the canon, okay? But like most of the prophets, most of those minor prophets, they ended up being killed, you know what I'm saying, or ostracized. The people rejected their messages because they were saying things that didn't want to be heard. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, they had this wrong assumption that everything was going to go great in their nation, and here comes this prophet who comes along and says, no, 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 <laughs> judgment's coming. Did you understand? 
You need to turn from your sins. Well, they didn't want to hear that. And so they were rejected. But the point I was making, and Bruce was making it as well, is God uses us where we are for his purpose. And he uses the insignificant, and we need to realize that. And like he was saying, like some of the big guys, they fall on their faces pretty well. And you're like, how do you get there? Did you understand what I'm saying? How, how do you get there? So it's not, it's, it's the character of a person is what matters. And, and here you have a guy, Micah, we're going to look at here, who we don't know anything about him, but it's going to be clear when we look at what he says. He's a voice for the poor and the downtrodden who are being exploited by God's people. Do you know what I'm saying? And who aren't just being exploited, he's also pointing out that they have other sins that are going to be judged and God's going to bring the judgment for them, okay? So, anybody had a question or thoughts so far? Let's talk about the book. Let's talk about, when we look at the book, what we're going to see. So, all right, now, how many of you liked it when we went through Jonah? Okay, everybody liked Jonah. Why did we like Jonah? It was a story, right? Four chapters of a story. And you could, you could kind of resonate. You were right there with him. Now, when we get to Micah, it isn't going to be a story. It's going to be like some of the other prophets. The book of Micah appears to be a loosely arranged collection of speeches. Everybody likes Jonah because it's a story. You know, he runs, gets swallowed by a fish. Fish vomits him up on a, on a beach. He goes to Nineveh. He preaches a simple message. Then he's waiting outside of Nineveh to watch it get destroyed. A plant comes up and, you know, and you got that whole interaction with God. We can relate to that. Now, when we look at this book, you're going to see that it's a collection of speeches, which makes it very hard for us to get into, okay? So I'm just going to let you be aware of that. Micah can be divided into three messages. So when you look at Micah, it basically has three messages, okay? Chapter 1, verse 12, through chapter 2, verse 13. Chapters 3 through 5. And chapter 6 through 7. So you got three main messages. And all of the messages begin like this. So if you look at verse 2 of chapter 1, they all begin like this. Hear you peoples, all of you, pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you. So they all begin, each one of these sections begins with, hear you peoples, pay attention. Okay, so it's a message, a new message he's giving here. All right, now, the main audience, now remember, with the other prophets, who did they speak, who, who was their message primarily to? The other prophets, primarily who were they preaching to? Northern Kingdom, okay? Micah is, though, completely different. Micah's main audience was the people of the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, even though he preached in the last days of, of the northern kingdom, and maybe they would have gotten something from his message, that's not who he was primarily a prophet to. He was a prophet to the kingdom of the, of the southern kingdom, okay? Now, why? Well, the, th the three main messages show that God, Judah was as guilty as Israel was 
and they will be disciplined as well. So everybody knew what the issues were in the northern kingdom. Okay, remember what, what were the issues? What were they doing in the northern kingdom? We've, we've studied several prophets now, heard the judgments against them. What were they doing? Taking advantage of the poor. What else? How about their worship? Who was it directed to? A whole lot of different idols. They were, they were basically worshiping everything except God, maybe even including God, but primarily the idols. And primarily the two golden calves that Jeroboam I had set up in the northern part of the northern kingdom and also down at Bethel. What else had they been doing? Anyone else? Yeah, immorality was rampant, sexual immorality. Yes, that's true. What else? There's something else they were doing. Were they a peaceful, loving people with each other? Now, what were they like? Yeah, violent. Violence marred them as a nation, okay? They were brutal with each other, okay? And especially with the poor and those who were downtrodden. And so with Micah, he comes along and he's through the three messages that we're going to look at, he's going to point out that, hey, you guys in Judah, you ain't that much better. You're doing the same thing. And they are. But for some reason, God's going to be what with them? More gracious with them. Rather than wiping them out like he did the northern kingdom, he lets them survive a little bit longer. Until who comes along? The Babylonians come along. Do you, do you understand? So his point is, is they're just as guilty and they'll be disciplined as well. All right? So the theme of judgment is prominent among these messages. So if you're feeling like you want to read something just to get a good grasp of what judgment is, Micah is the book for you. Okay? It's going to be pretty much three messages showing... God's judgment on sin, okay? God's judgment on sin. Now, while that is the prominent message, what we also see is with all of the prophets, now remember all the other prophets, whenever God presented a message of judgment, he also presented a message of what? Okay, what, Bruce? Promise, that's right. You're, you're, I couldn't hear you there, okay? Promise. I could hear Siri, but I couldn't hear you, okay? So promise or hope. Or here's the thing, what we say is, Micah also stresses the promise of restoration. With the judgment, it's basically a promise that God's not done with them. God will fulfill his covenant to Abraham and to Moses and that God will return them to the land. He will restore them. They will once again be a great nation. Now, with Micah, Micah is also one of the prophets who talks about the Messiah, okay? The Messiah. One of the well-known passages of Micah tells us where the Messiah will be born. Where will he be born? 
New York City, right? No, where were he born? Bethlehem, right, yes. Okay, that is from this passage. So there is, with the promise of the issue of restoration, is the promise of the Messiah, okay? So we're going to see that here as well, okay? That here as well. So we're, we're going to see uh, the reality of, of this book in that way. So again, when we are reading the prophets, okay, and, and in particular we're going to read about Micah, who is the message to? Who's the message to? To the Jews, and, and specifically which group of Jews? The southern kingdom. Yes, the southern kingdom, but to the Jews, okay? Now for us, if we want to glean something from Micah, we need to recognize who it's to first of all, right? But then how do we make the application of Micah to where we are today? Who's it about today? Yeah, believers, God's people, okay? You can't make it be anybody else because some people will go and say, well, you know, this is what's happening in America. Now, I've, you know, I've had some coffee with some different guys during the week after the study and they'll say, yeah, but it sure does apply to where we are today in our country. Yeah, it may apply, but it has nothing to do with us. Do you understand? It's just the natural flow of what happens to nations who go in a wrong direction. And, but there's no promise there for your nation. This is about Israel. And the application for us today in the church is for who? God's people, the saved. Do you understand? And the lessons we can learn from it. And it gives us wisdom. If you want to apply it to where we are today, it gives you wisdom to understand what's happening, right? It gives you wisdom to look at what's going on around you in your communities, in the news, and in the world, and you could say, okay, I understand what's going on here. And then what it should elicit from you is an urgency not to be angry, but to be more of a witness, right? Sharing with others about who? Jesus, because the world is headed where, folks? What'd you say, Bruce? Yeah, it's headed to hell. It's headed to judgment because who's coming back one day to, to set up the kingdom? Jesus, do you understand what I'm saying? And the nations, the Gentile nations, will be judged. That includes us. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? But, but we, in the church, we're okay because we have the promise that we belong to who? Jesus, and we've been grafted in, according to Romans chapter 11, grafted into the, we're the wild olive branches who've been grafted into the root which is Christ. Do you understand? So we will share in the promises of Israel. So as long as we keep that in perspective, we're going to understand what the prophet is saying. So when it talks about the Messiah and the promise of the Messiah, that's your promise, right? That's your promise about what the Messiah is going to be because Jesus is the Messiah and he's what? Our Savior and our Lord, right? So it helps you to understand so I just wanted to clarify that we, when we look at what we see happening in the Old Testament prophets, 
Don't make them say something that they're not saying. It's for Israel, but there are lessons to be learned by who? Believers today, right? Okay. 